When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeart Media. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. 2021, a podcast after 500 years, releases its four millionth episode. But the twist, this time, it's about the weirdest shit I've ever seen in my life. Would you like to know more? <laughs> um honestly based on that um no i'm good okay exactly <laughs> exactly if only we had known welcome to the bechtel cast uh i'm jamie lavdas i'm caitlin durante and this is our podcast where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the bechtel test simply as a jumping off point simply uh jamie i would like to know more what is the Bechtel test? Uh, the Bechtel test is a media metric invented by queer cartoonist Allison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test. Would you like to know more? Uh, uh, yes, please. <laughs> For our purposes, the Bechtel test uh, requires that two characters of a marginalized gender with names speak to each other about something other than men. I honestly am not sure... If it happens in this movie or not, so confused was I by the movie. Would you like to know more? Uh, I, no, I'm good for now. Okay, good. Uh, well, Jamie, you're a natural at that. Yeah, I'm a I'm a natural propagandist. Uh, <laughs> it's good to know. Which is good to know. I okay. Wait, uh, this is this is gonna pass the Bechtel test. Okay. Did you notice there there's a golden girl in Starship Troopers? Uh, I didn't notice until it was pointed out to me by uh, this video essay that you yeah. sent me the link to, which w I found very helpful. Thank you so much. It was um, great. But yeah. yeah, I didn't notice because she, like, I think the makeup department makes her face look somewhat disfigured or something, and then she's also wearing these like goggly. I believe glasses. that her. Yeah, I, I I wasn't sure if we were supposed to think her character was blind. I wasn't totally sure. I I think that that might have been the implication, but I'm either way. 
Rue McClanahan is in the mm-hmm. damn movie at playing a mean science teacher who's like, dissect this bug. Like, <laughs> I mean that in a good a way. A woman in STEM, though. A woman. So... There's, okay, there's a lot of, this This episode is like the case against women in STEM uh, <laughs> when it's used for fascism. Right. So, uh, yeah, this is the Starship Troopers episode of the Bechtel yeah. cast. And, um Listen, bear with us because we were not expecting this movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, we weren't. Uh, I'm excited to discuss. So let's introduce our guest. Yay! He is an actor, a comedian. You know him from Astronomy Club on Netflix and as the co-host of the podcast Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. It's Jonathan Braylock. Hey. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Thanks for being here. Thank you for bringing us this terrifying movie. (laughs) (laughs) I know. This movie's... It was on your list, so it seems like you guys... It was, was, yes. (laughs) It feels kind of random, but... We've gotten this request a bunch of times, uh, and... Now I I I now having seen it I understand why even less. Uh, <laughs> right, I was I'm gonna say like... why why have you gotten the request? I wonder if it. I have a I guess I guess I have a couple of theories, but I mean literally every movie ever made, including dozens we've never heard of, we've gotten requests for. But this one came up enough that we like like we like yeah. added it to a list and everything. So right, I I, I people who have requested this movie, I, I do demand an explanation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, what's your history with uh, with this movie? Well, it's interesting because like I've said this on my podcast a bunch, but like when I was growing up, I wasn't really allowed to watch rated r movies uh, for a while, and mm-hmm. so like anytime I saw one, it was either like a tv version of it which is like edited down but still Mm -hmm. kind of pretty graphic i like robocop comes to mind in that kind of sense same director yeah exactly (laughs) like just (laughs) hyper violent but i was super into sci-fi so i always wanted to watch this movie and i think i wasn't allowed to when it had come out but then i like i don't know at some point in high school i was able to like watch it and i was kind of like I was like, what is, I was like, just (laughs) kind of confused because it was, because I wanted Mm -hmm. to watch like a, you know, just a regular sci-fi, like star, I thought like I was going to get into like some Star Wars kind of thing. And this is, this movie is very much not that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it, I don't know, there's something, there was something about it that always stuck with me about how like, it felt like the movie was kind of like making fun of what the movie itself was to a degree, but also, Mm -hmm. but was still being that kind of movie. And so I, I don't know. I just, it's, I wanted to rewatch it because I was like, I wonder how that holds up. Like, I wonder if it was saying more than I caught at the time or, you know, was it like being more subversive than, you know, people gave it credit for. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if uh, it was, but <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I want. I wanted to examine it. <laughs> yeah. For me, still inconclusive. And like you brought up Star Wars, like this movie is like if Star Wars was told from the perspective of like the Empire. Right. Yeah, just like a very uninquisitive Empire stormtrooper, <laughs> just being like. Yeah, seems like they have a great idea. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, Jamie, what's your history with it? 
truly nothing. Like I, I'd seen other Paul Verhoeven movies, like, mm-hmm. but by that I mean Basic Instinct and Showgirls, which were his two movies <laughs> leading up to this. So I'd never seen RoboCop. I guess I don't really know this side of Paul Verhoeven. Sure, right. and I, I didn't know it was a book until when I mentioned we were covering this, they're like, you have to read the book, which is the thing I hate to hear the most. But <laughs> I listened to the audio book and I watched the movie and both of them are so fucking fascist and bizarre to me. <laughs> um, but that's my, that's my entire history. It started on Monday. Uh, what about you, Caitlin? <laughs> Incredible. I had like, volun- I was like, I'm going to reread the book because I had read the book in a class I took in, like a, sci- a sci-fi literature class I took in college. Oh, wow. It was like one of the required readings. But I was a really bad student in that class. And while I did like sort of read the books, I also didn't entirely. I would like read the first 50 pages because we had to read a, a book every week in that class. And wow. I was like, I don't who has the time? Mm-hmm. So I would like read the first 50 pages and then usually like skim the rest. And I think that's what I must have done for (laughs) this book because I truly remembered nothing about it. And then I also thought I had seen this movie, but as I was watching it, nothing about it was familiar. So I think I just had one (laughs) of those like false memories of having seen it. So I also have a very limited (laughs) history with it. Um, I, I knew the part of the history behind it of like when it first came out critics were like this movie sucks it's just a a mess of like gratuitous graphic violence and uh weird themes and da 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 and then and then like kind of in retrospect a bunch of critics were like oh wait a minute actually this movie's freaking a brilliant awesome satire and if you don't notice that then your brain is bad there and <laughs> just like I, le- I, I love that cycle of like people think it sucks then they're like actually and then they like galaxy brain they're like it's genius and then three years later they're like no wait it does suck it wasn't very good <laughs> we've come full circle <laughs> right um I think that like the way there's the framing I like okay the beginning right. the beginning like the propaganda <laughs> yes. framing like yes. i feel like that is as close to like the like that satirical framework i like those are the parts of the movie that i like the best but then all the yes. plot that happens between those seem to just be very <laughs> unquestioning <laughs> yeah it's right. very much just doing the story like when i when i was starting it again i was like i was like yeah it is wow look at this like this is really fun like the scenes where like the guy's like giving his gun to like children and the children are like and like fighting yeah. over the gun and you're like mm-hmm. it's like pushing it to the edge but mm-hmm. then when we actually like get into i mean there are small things dropped here and there but for the most part the movie is just doing the the thing that the movies always do yeah and it was made in an era where people were literally making and consuming these movies at such a high degree that it's like how would anyone know that you were even if you said it which i think he he explicitly said it like in interviews and stuff but it was yeah. like nobody knows or nobody like the the general audience doesn't know or care they're like they've been watching movies like this all the time and robocop i don't it's funny cuz like i i don't know if he feels the same way about robocop but like robocop is also like extre- extremely like 
pro police, pro like very racist, like very like I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. it's <laughs> what it like says. <laughs> what it says is terrible. And if and if you're trying to say like no, well this is a commentary, it's tough. I, yeah, I find yeah. those arguments always a little tough. Same. Paul Verhoeven is uh, the his quotes are like weird too. the The context for this movie being made is like he the screenwriter. He's working with the same screenwriter that he did RoboCop with, Ed Newmeyer. Ed Newmeyer loves the book Starship Troopers. Paul Verhoeven hates the book Starship Troopers. This this makes so much sense. He literally says, I stopped after two chapters because it was so boring. It is really a bad book. I asked Ed (laughs) Newmeyer to tell me the story because I just couldn't read the thing. It's a very right-wing book. And he's right. But then, like, why would he make this movie? It's (laughs) so, so strange. Um, Oh, gosh. Well, should we? Let's get into the recap, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, listeners. Uh, Just a quick note about the recap. The way our recording schedules worked out, we had to record the recap separately without our guest, Jonathan. So if you're wondering, hey, why isn't Jonathan saying anything during the recap? That's why. Okay, enjoy. Okay, so um, this movie is set in a distant future where the people of Earth are at war with an alien species known as bugs or arachnids. AKA definitely not communist, definitely not. Uh, and okay, so in this world, the only way to become a citizen of the Federation, the Federation being this government that rules it's planet like, Earth. And, yeah, it's <laughs> literally like the military state. Right. Yeah. Um, and the only way to become a citizen with voting rights and all that kind of stuff is to serve in the military, a.k.a. the federal service. Mm-hmm. So the movie opens on a military propaganda commercial. Which we've already perfectly demonstrated. You amazingly replicated. Would you like to know more? (laughs) Um, And this commercial is about how it's awesome to join the federal service. Then we cut to a battle scene where we see the reality of kind of the situation and this war, which is soldiers getting brutally killed by these aliens. Mm -hmm. Which again, like... Those first few minutes of the movie with this like military propaganda commercial, which glorifies war, juxtaposed against these scenes of graphic violence that show the reality and the horror of war, makes it seem like, yeah, looks like some interesting satire is emerging here. But then it just kind of stops and doesn't really go anywhere. Right. Um, Then we cut to one year earlier where we meet some high school students. Johnny Rico is our hero. He's played by Casper Van Dyne. I'm not really sure what his name is. Fun fact, he was married to an actress who was in The Vow because she joined that terrifying cult. Oh, whoa. He's one degree removed from a terrifying cult. Wow. Casper. That's and that's all I have for context corner. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um his girlfriend is Carmen Ibanez, that is Denise Richards. We also meet their classmate Dizzy Flores. She's played by Dina Meyer, um, who is obviously interested in Johnny romantically. Then we also meet Carl, uh, aka <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. In like full doogie mode. <laughs> 
yes in this movie like you're, he's like what if doogie was a fascist and this <laughs> this a question no one asked but this movie answers yes indeed um and they are all about to graduate and they're all considering joining the federal service uh they have a teacher mr Roscheck, I also don't know how to say his name. Yeah, he is teaching them about how military violence is actually really good and cool and necessary. Hell yeah! Then we see a football game where Johnny and Dizzy are playing football and then also sometimes doing gymnastics. I was like, "What is that?" Was how one of the Paul Verhoeven little touches that I was like, "Yeah, sure." why not Uh, yeah um the reason i bring the football game up is that this is where we meet a guy from the opposing football team xander he becomes important later and he's trying to flirt with carmen and it's a whole thing he's exhausting i mean i everyone in this movie is exhausting but him especially right uh then the next day johnny carmen and carl all join the federal service carmen will train to be a pilot Carl will be military intelligence uh, because, by the way, he has psychic abilities. He can talk, which he shows us by being like, I know what every card in the deck is. Also, I can talk to my ferret. You're like, (laughs) huh, okay. I guess that's technically showing not telling. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I guess that's that's, uh, Chekhov's ferret um, (laughs) or something. Perfect. And then Johnny will be infantry. Johnny begins boot camp with Sergeant Zim, who, of course, is best known as being one of the villains from Flubber. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was I was like, I wonder who is going to bring up Flubber first. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the parallels between... Um, what is the name of this movie? Stormship Troop. Not Stormship Troopers. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, I need to do a disclaimer where I'm gonna accidentally call this movie Stormship Troopers because of Stormtroopers, even though it's called Starship Troopers. I mean, this movie. My first note for this is literally like Starship Troopers is if there was a biopic made of a stormtrooper who never questioned the military <laughs> and viewed the rebellion as literal cockroaches. Like yeah. there, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Fascism. Okay. Anyway, so Sergeant Zim, um, Dizzy shows up to boot camp. She had requested to be transferred to this particular unit, probably because of how in love she is with Johnny Rico. Gary Busey's son is also there. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, once you know it's Gary Busey's son, you're like, whoa, that's really Gary Busey's son. I know. Uh, and he's playing He's playing the violin. He's... <laughs> that was another thing where just so much of this movie is so ridiculous as it washes over you that you're like, yeah, Gary Busey's son is here. There was already a golden girl. I guess we just like jumped the shark immediately. <laughs> right. Uh, his name is Ace. Boot camp is tough, but Johnny shows promise and eventually he is made squad leader. Meanwhile, we see Carmen learning to be a pilot. She crosses paths with Xander again. Then Carmen sends a message, a video message, breaking up with Johnny. And shortly after that, Johnny is relieved of squad leader duty after the death of a teammate, which was his fault. Yeah. So he quits the military and he's about to go back home. 
but just then war breaks out when bugs attack they like throw a meteor at earth I don't know if it was supposed to be funny when he's Skyping his parents and they're like, come home, we love you. Oh, no, what's going on? And then it goes boop, boop. I was like, okay. Like, there's so much of this movie that I'm like, was that supposed to be campy or is that just Paul Verhoeven trying to be serious? Well, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people will be like, this movie is brilliant satire and it's so hilarious. And then I'm over here being like shrug (laughs) i'm like i think that that it definitely wants to be a brilliant satire but you know kind of like i'm not totally sure i'm not convinced yeah yeah um so because of the war that has just broken up johnny rico is like i'm gonna join back up so he and other troops are deployed but the battle goes horribly wrong they underestimate the bugs hundreds of thousands of troopers are killed in action johnny is badly wounded uh, and carmen thinks that he's dead and she's all sad about it so then the military has to reevaluate their battle plan and the teacher mr razcheck shows up and he's like by the way i'm a lieutenant and we're like okay (laughs) (laughs) um and then let's see johnny's injury gets fixed via sci-fi science that was kind of fun he's in like a a a goop a goop tank and then they're like okay you're good to go yeah uh then they go back into battle and have a few successful missions where they kill a lot of bugs uh razcheck promotes johnny johnny and dizzy kiss and have sex and things really seem to be looking up and guess who loves that they're having sex mr razcheck for some reason (laughs) He's like, take an extra 10 minutes to have sex with each other. I'm like, um, you were my history teacher. Gross. <laughs> right. Um, so then they go out on another mission to planet P and things go horribly wrong. And they start to figure out that there must be like a brain bug that is controlling the other bugs and mm-hmm. making intelligent choices and setting traps and things like that. Oh, also, we should say, I mean, it goes without saying that because this is a sci-fi movie made by a man that the anim- the monsters are uh, vaginal. Especially this brain bug, which we are about to see. <laughs> I kind of was like back. I'm like, you know what? E- evil brain pussy. Sure. You know, <laughs> iconic. Hard to know. Yeah. So they learn about the brain bug and a bunch of soldiers are killed, including Rozchek and Dizzy. So then Carmen and Xander fly in to rescue them. And Carmen is like, oh, my God, Johnny, I thought you were dead. And he's like, huh, no. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. And then Neil Patrick Harris comes back dressed as a full Nazi. Uh, <laughs> was not prepared no neil patrick harris to become a full nazi nor was i and he's like by the way you have to go back to planet p and kill the brain bug johnny rico who is now a lieutenant i think yeah um, because he had to kill his history teacher teacher. yeah right um and johnny's like cool sounds good to me so then they go back in for one last battle Meanwhile, Carmen and Xander's starship has been like shot out of space and then they crash land onto planet P right into the nest of the brain bug. Convenient. And the brain bug definitely is the most vagina-ish oh, God. vagina monster 
of any movie I've ever oh, seen. God. The, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it sucks out Xander's brain. As vaginas do. As vaginas do. <laughs> and it's about to do the same for Carmen, but then Johnny and a couple other troopers show up and save her. And then they capture the brain bug. And then Neil Patrick Harris uses his psychic abilities to learn that the bug is afraid and then everyone cheers because the bug is afraid. They're like, oh, wow, we are really going to commit a lot of atrocities soon. (laughs) Like, right. And that's basically the end of the movie. (laughs) So shockingly, yeah. Let's take a quick break and then we will come right back. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. And we're back. Can I give a quick book recap? Please, because I I just need to justify the time spent listening to the audiobook on one point five. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the book, uh, the book and the movie are both fashy, but in kind of different ways. So I guess make of that what you will. In the book, um, there's a whole like whitewashing discussion to be had about this movie because in the book, uh, most of the main characters are uh, Filipino, mm-hmm. um, and I believe they live in Canada, not. Buenos Aires, even though Buenos Aires still does get bugged in the book, I don't know. Mm. But uh, the but yeah, it's um, it's Juan Rico and his father Emilio Rico, and so that's the the first huge difference. 
Um, uh-huh. And as well as like Carmen and Carl, they're all implied to be Filipino characters that live in the same community in Canada. There are class differences in the book, unlike in the movie where um, they still call him. They like Americanize his name to Johnny midway through the book. Once he's in the military, he's called Johnny at home. He was called Juan. Uh, mm-hmm. But once he gets to boot camp, like he he grew up in a really rich family, uh, and Carl and Carmen grew up in a lower class family, which it, which is implied why that's why they're joining the military. So there's like more push mm. and pull there. There's like actual class stuff going on. Uh, they did it a little bit. Like you knew that he was rich, and there was that scene in the bat, like the shout where they're all taking a shower together. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're like talking about why they why they joined, and there is like a lot of people are like joined because they didn't have money, or they like were farmers mm-hmm. or whatever. So it, like it was there a little bit with him, but definitely not Carmen. They didn't they didn't make it seem like Carmen didn't have money in the movie. Yeah, and it seems like Carl was doing just fine because he's like in his yeah. like science Dexter's lab basement or whatever. <laughs> right, right like, exactly. He's got a pet ferret. You know, <laughs> he's got like all the rich people do. I'm sure. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so, so there's that. But then, I mean, the book does, in the middle, uh, take a pretty hard right turn where it just sort of starts through the teacher character, just starts kind of spouting right wing philosophy. Like, there's just whole chapters that are about how um, the like, there's no such thing as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There is only loyalty to the state. The most freedom you can get is a willingness to die for the state. And it just gets really hardcore. What what I the only thing I think it really does better is the class stuff and like it's more of a coming of age story, even though it's like Juan Rico is coming of age into a fascist super soldier. He at least <laughs> undergoes some sort of like change where i feel like in the movie he's kind of just like there he's like hot and he's there well, he's, yeah he's yeah mm. he likes Car- he likes carmen he likes Car- and oh yeah carmen mm. is barely in in the book there's no love story in the book or anything like that wow oh. that was like the whole thing for this movie though yeah i guess that that's worth saying is there is all of all of the sexism uh that appears in the movie is very of the movie it's right. not huh. in the book at all i would say that that's one of the issues that the book actually like doesn't really super fumble but it's it's implying that it's this fashion that it's this like militaristic utopia that's why i think what the author wants you to think like because he mm. was in the military himself he is actively pushing children reading this book to go into the military so he's like the military isn't sexist the military isn't racist we're all fighting against the bugs which is just communism so it's very right. 1950s like and, and was it so, is yeah. it written as like a dystopian world like is it written like a 1984 where it's like warning against this type of thing or do you does it no. it feels like it's very pro this it's full it's it's full utopia to the point where i was like reading of like it's so fucking weird because you think that you i just didn't see that coming where like the more into fascism he gets the happier he becomes and he becomes fully self-actualized by the end in the book his dad doesn't die his dad gives up his richy rich business and joins the military with his son wow and at the end they're like we're so happy like who wrote this book this he's like a, I I I never a heard Nazi? of I, that, like literally 
he's a <laughs> a former Nazi who wrote this book. Unfortunately, he's a U.S. veteran who uh, really what? got into it. It's really fucking weird. Like I, it's and and I guess even in its time, people were like, "This is right wing, like propaganda, banana <laughs> propaganda." Yeah, because it yeah. it is, but it was also one of the most like successful, influential like sci fi books of its time. There were a mm-hmm. lot of like posts and stuff I found about like, oh, when I first read this, it made me want to join the military because that's literally like what it is supposed to, you're It's supposed to make you want to just die for the state and view your enemy as just a lifeless evil husk. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a fucked up book. Uh, and Carmen and, and Dizzy, the, the name Dizzy is brought up literally once in the first chapter. She doesn't go to school with them. She's not a character that exists in this world. She's just one of his like squad friends who's killed at the beginning. And so there's no love triangle, none of that shit. It's just mm. truly all <laughs> right-wing <Wow>. ideology. Um, <laughs> and a child's being radicalized. So that's the book. I read that the author Robert A. Heinlein wrote this book in His response last name is to <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, wrote this book in response to him being mad that the U.S. was suspending nuclear testing. Yeah, he's like, no, we should be blowing shit up and you know having nuclear bombs dropping all over the place all the time he loves war (laughs) the more casualties the better looking it up on wikipedia he's sixth generation german american look i'm not saying that all germans are nazis but (laughs) this guy wrote a fascist (laughs) he wrote a famous sci-fi so i don't know i don't know (laughs) Sorry, continue. continue. I, it's so yeah. It's it's fuck. Like the book is fucking scary because it like it it does start to pull you in of like wow, it's a coming of age story, and then in, in like a third of the way through, it's like fuck you. This right. is the scariest shit you'll ever read. There is something interesting about because he's. I think he this guy's probably like this is very anti-communist, but mm-hmm. there's a similar way, and the movie does this, and I'm I'm guessing the book does something similar where they at some point where they're talking about the bugs they're like kind of ide- uh like idealizing them they're like oh there's like they're actually i don't know they they don't have fear they follow orders they do this mm-hmm. they do that and yeah. like there is this way in which like fascist very right wing even though they're like against left wing they like ide- you know they 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 actually like dream about like wow could you imagine having that much power where you know, people would just conform to the state and do this and do that, like for the good of, and you're just like, so you're the same thing. Like, yeah. You're the thing that you think that you think you're fighting against. Like, that's what you want to be like, what? It's, it's such a mind fuck. It like, that does happen in the book as well. And it like, it's such a mind fuck because when you're listening to it, you're like, this sounds like brainwashing. This sounds really bad, but the book mm-hmm. is like, and isn't this amazing that we've shaped this young man to think this way. But it is. Yeah. It's like, uh, as he spends more time in boot camp and the boot camp thing is very different in the book. I won't even get into it because it's like more fucked up and worse, but uh, they're wow, just like it's slowly. <laughs> it's worse. There. Wow. It's I, ugh, I, yeah, don't, don't read the book, but the, the, <laughs> they, they're just slowly sort of like encouraging him to, and everyone to, you know, not view the bugs as individuals, view them as this mass organized 
and and just to encourage to like the soldiers to view them as beings that do not have emotions and so right. you will feel mm-hmm. less bad about uh, murdering them like right. and in the i feel like the movie and the book you find out really nothing about like the bugs what their goal is like Absolutely what nothing. they're defending against just so you don't feel bad about watching johnny rico kill them even the like even though they have all this intelligence and like to you know weapons and this kind of things like that like when like every planet that they're on looks like completely lifeless they're like even though even when they go underground it's like what they're just like living in tunnels like the they're just kind of doing this thing of like yeah they just all they do is reproduce and spread and they and uh they're trying to kill us and that's it like that's all they are just like this living organism that's all it's trying to do is like spread and destroy but again, yeah. there's a reflection to us that could happen here, you know, in that. But the movie, as subversive as people want this movie to be, and like, yes, there there are certain things where they're clearly like poking fun. The movie mm. never actually goes there. Like, ne- it never actually goes right. there because you could do that. But nobody, ha- no, none of these characters have any real realization that's happening. At the end, they're all you know victorious they're and, just cheering they're yeah. like woohoo yeah, they literally look at how much of a hero we all are oh and it's God. encouraging the audience to fascist doogie <laughs> is so scary um oh also that is a that's a that's a big change from the book carl is uh not psychic and is not uh nazi is there doctor. a psychic thing no there's no, no okay. there's no what psychic ferret psychic through line no where did, idea. Where do they think that so of? Unfortunately, weird. Carl dies about two seconds into the book. Like they all enlist at the same time. Uh, right. Johnny, d- Johnny enlists because he wants to prove that he's more than just a rich kid, which is like exhausting. But he doesn't enlist because of Carmen. And then mm. uh, Carl dies almost right away, and huh. Carmen right. disappears until the very end of the book. Wow, wild. Going back to the bug thing really quick. There's like a very brief suggestion in the movie that humans have been basically just colonizing all of the like outer reaches of this entire galaxy and then they came upon this like species of aliens and they didn't like to be colonized and then they fought back and now that that's sort of like what instigated this entire war where the humans are like genociding these aliens but it's just because (laughs) of the humans being colonizers and like there's right. just like a sliver of that in the movie it's like you could do something with that but then they're like no <laughs> we're not gonna do anything it's truly a sliver there's one person who's there's like a report like a nameless reporter who's uh-huh. like some would say that the humans are actually the ones that provoke the attack and they're like shut up kill the bugs yes. and then and then you're like you're like like that's funny but when you don't actually do any of that, it's like, um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like there are times where like, especially now where like shows like pretend to be woke by like adding a line in. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember reading this pilot where it was like, it was a space kind of star, not Star Trek, but like something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And the captain of the of the ship becomes like this dude who's like not as smart and like they're they're like jokes made about how he's not as smart as like the woman he passes up or like the other people but it's like he still becomes Mm -hmm. the captain and i was like okay so you guys pretend you're being woke by by like being like yeah like man the like 
how did you become captain? Usually women are captains. And I'm like, okay, but this show is going to be in our universe (laughs) with a male, a white male lead. So what are we, so you're not actually doing the thing that you're, you're commenting on. Right. Like, and just assuming that by stating that it's like, we know that we're doing it again. We're going to do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do it anyway, Uh, but like. Wink, wink. (laughs) It reminds me of the last Avengers movie when there's that moment where like all the women superheroes that they've like only <laughs> just introduced into the universe within the past like two years are like, wow, look at them. They're all walking together and just like feminism, right? <laughs> and Women it's just, like standing next to each no. other as feminism. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, this this movie does because it's like I, I feel like at the end of the day, if if the movie is n- at no point that I feel like the movie was having you question Johnny Rico's like motivations, question his journey or like root against him in any way. So it's like, well, then is it really saying anything if the whole no. journey is Johnny getting like really lost in the fascism sauce and we're just supposed to be like really rooting for him the whole time like you're never supposed to be rooting against him or the earthlings so if he had died (laughs) right i I wish he had died i wish he had died or there was like just some sort like yeah there the movie to me feels completely void of like commentary and like yes there are these hints of satire with like the propaganda commercials that are being sprinkled throughout but but it feels like what you're saying jonathan it feels like like the closest they get to be like isn't this fucked up but then just doing the fucked up thing (laughs) yeah i read that director paul verhoeven said that his intent with this movie because again everyone wants to you know lots of people are like but it's brilliant satire so Paul Verhoeven was like, well, my intent here was to seduce the audience into rooting for these fascist characters using the same military propaganda that like the Third Reich was using for propaganda. Mm -hmm. And then also his intent was to challenge the audience to kind of consider, okay, why are we rooting for fascism? That's now, an interesting idea. I just don't think he pulls it off. It, it's not executed well, and yeah. I didn't see that intent until he explained it to me personally. <laughs> um, so it's like, then you're not, if you're, that's not effective satire. The thing, <laughs> yeah, the reason that it's not effective to me in the slightest is that, one, we don't, first of all, the reason that the book uses bugs as the enemy is because as human beings, we do have like an innate like kind of we're like we look at insects as we're like icky, icky. Ah, they're gross and we don't think like people even people who love animals you know will be quicker to kill a roach or an ant you know or a mm-hmm. bee than they would and maybe not bees anymore just because now we know their environmental <laughs> right. impact but but like <laughs> but you know what i mean like we're quicker to kill insects than we are any other really any other kind of animal species so so we're watching this movie and we don't feel anything for the bugs like nobody you're you're not you're not thinking at all like oh that bug had a family or what if that bug was just like what if that bug is a civilian that's just like trying to live its life like Mm -hmm. it's it's so hard to like get there and there are 
sci-fi books that actually kind of make you think that i mean ender's game is supposed to be that kind of book too i don't know if you guys have ever read ender's game or not since high school i I saw the movie though (laughs) (laughs) but that was a similar thing where they're like training these like child soldiers to like kill things and like the bugs are the enemy and then like at the end he realizes like he that this wasn't a trading mission that it was the actual thing and he's like wiped out in a whole planet of of bugs and he's like and the kid kind of feels like, wait a minute, what did I just do? But it's mm-hmm. also one of those things where it's even that, like it's it doesn't go far enough because people who look at the Nazis who are bad, like as bad guys, like people who sympathize with like fascism will also, you know, use the Nazis as like some symbol of like, yeah, those guys, like the Nazis are bad, you know, but our yeah. brand of fascism is good. You know, which is what this mm-hmm. movie is. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know how anyone who wasn't, who didn't already know the things that he's like trying to point out is going to come to that realization themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Paul Verhoeven, it just seems ill equipped to do what he says he's trying to do. And he's also just chosen, like, if he wants to make an anti fascist statement, like, this is not the bu- the book to adapt into a really expensive movie. Like, it's, a fascist book. Also, using a <laughs> using a screenwriter who likes the fascist book. Right. Like, if you, <laughs> uh. yeah, it's it's pr- it's pretty wild. Um, the other thing that's like, yeah, the other thing that's annoying is that I actually do think there was a chance in here to do something like like if you mm-hmm. do have like these characters just like be like smiling over just like the most horrendous stuff, but like at the end of the day. Rico gets to stay alive. He gets to save the girl. <laughs> like he gets- he's failed upward so many times that he's now a lieutenant. Just through his history teacher, he's like experiencing history teacher nepotism throughout. Yeah, his, his his history teacher who told him to come in is like is a, is the other hero. All of the things that like the, the all of the people who are against him, like his parents who are against him joining the military, they they get wiped out. And then motivation for him to stay there. You know, mm-hmm. the girl yeah. that he is friends with, but he doesn't really like, she winds up dying. Her only purpose was for her to be with him. Uh, uh, that's, yeah. her, that's her dying words. <laughs> Or uh, at least I got to be with you, and then, and then he gets, and then the, and then the guy who stole his girl, he dies too. So like everything's a okay for this dude. This dude is living the life. So how are we supposed to ever think that this movie is saying anything bad about this? <laughs> it's. I feel like it's especially like the Johnny Rico. Like he's just. A, I can't like, believe his last name is Rico. It's ridiculous. Like and then. And that, but like in the movie, the, I found like Carl to be more frustrating than anyone else. He literally becomes like a Nazi psychic doctor, and at the end, he gets like the. I was like, how did Carl not die or experience any sort of like, con- like you just see like these high school kids getting radicalized, and then the movie ends. Like it's so, like right. there's you're never supposed to be like. Was that good? Like, were we supposed to feel good about that? Because it's just assumed that you want, like, you hate the bugs. We know nothing about them. They all look like vagina monsters, like every sci-fi movie from this era. Like, and that's and that's it. I I don't know. Yeah, I, I as much as I appreciate the 
in between segments of like, would you like to know more? But it's like, literally, I would Paul Verhoeven (laughs) put that in the story. Um, Yeah. There's one point that I kind of, the one Paul Verhoeven quote that I was like, that's kind of interesting because I don't know. He's like, he is a guy who just loves when anyone is naked, right? Like, And mm. doesn't know how to have sex. I mean, that's just off a basic instinct I, <laughs> yes. off a of basic instinct i'm like what do you think sex is like what, <laughs> what? he's such a weird <laughs> man <laughs> the one quote that because the there is like that co-ed shower scene that is pretty important to like understanding the world and i feel like is like one of the only scenes that i felt like got close to saying something and then ultimately didn't because it was just right. basically explaining like like what a barrier not serving in the military would be to like achieving any dream you'd have, whether you want to be a parent or a politician or a writer, or like you have to serve in order to just like live somewhat autonomously. So so it's a helpful scene to include. They're all naked, which is very Paul Verhoeven. Like, I don't know. I guess I I wasn't like particularly bothered because everyone was more or less framed in a similar way right but i liked so pulver i guess that that was the scene that he had the most difficulty getting through not the five trillion gory brutal deaths um (laughs) not people being ripped limb from limb (laughs) not someone's brain getting literally sucked out of their head he's like (laughs) decapitations uh... and (laughs) so this is okay I'll give you the quote and then I'll give you the context because it's a fun twist. Uh, So Mm. he says this quote about that kind of editing struggle. He said, uh, because he's Dutch, uh, he says, Americans get more upset about nudity than ultraviolence. I am constantly amazed about that. I mean, I haven't seen any sex scenes in American film that are anything other than completely boring. A bare breast is more difficult to get through the censors than a body riddled with bullets. I think that's a very valid point, right? Like that's... Mm. and Yeah, it's true. And and I feel like the nudity of this movie, at least compared to other movies of its time, I didn't think it was like particularly... I mean, it didn't need to be there, but it felt like gender-wise it was just like i guess we're all naked in this scene right. i wasn't super bothered by it but okay but the twist in this scene um mm. is that so apparently they he was having trouble even getting permission to shoot the scene and then the cast it says on scholarly journal wikipedia the cast mm. agreed to do the co-ed shower scene only if verhoven agreed to direct the scene naked, naked? which he did Wow. So uh, respect. Which which is like <laughs> I I can't imagine a world in which having Paul Verhoeven naked would make me more comfortable, but that yeah. was that was what the cast said and so that was how he got the topless scene through was by being That's... also topless. I mean there is something about the like <laughs> you you're in this with us, you know, kind of yeah. thing like we're we're all going to share in this like experience that could feel embarrassing. Yeah. So you know, Paul, he was he was you know at least willing to participate. It's like the more sexual version of when Greta Gerwig wore the prom dress during the Lady Bird prom scene. Uh. <laughs> right. I don't know. This scene felt to me like gratuitous nudity, especially because most of the nudity you see is women's breasts. And it just felt to me like an excuse to show some titties. Right. And I just wasn't sure why it was happening. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a Puritan 
I disagree on the, uh, this specific scene. I don't know. I feel like the, all the bodies in this scene, especially when you compare it to other, like, I always think of, like, the shower scene that opens Carrie. Exactly. That, like, I was thinking the same thing. Mm, like, that is... It's that, so it's gratuitous. So preda- so- it's so predatory, too, because it's like, yeah. these are high school girls and there's yeah. no reason for us to see this like it doesn't add yeah. anything to the movie whereas this uh, and it's like it's like it's voyeuristic right whereas this this it's like they're all taking a shower together and none of them are sexualizing it like there's a way in which yeah. i can see ver- i can see verhoven's like kind of thinking of like we gotta just you guys gotta calm down with like how like re- both repressed and over sexualized you are in your society and one of the way yeah. one of the ways to do that instead of like seeing nudity in like some sexual context it's like we're all just like everyone showers they're all showering together no one's making comments on other people's body parts and they're having actual like a real conversation right they're talking about their hopes and dreams topless and i'm like <laughs> well i guess that's as close to enjoying this group of people as i'm gonna get uh i i mean yeah it's like i I think that it's a little bit different when it comes to that like weird sex scene with uh with johnny and dizzy like i think that i I would argue is a little more gratuitous but the shower Mm. scene i was pretty unbothered by Mm. i don't know but also i was reading that test the way that like i don't know just i'm just like wow america is uh so (laughs) fucking uh broken right but like test audiences <laughs> for this movie um did not comment on the brutal violence at all they were just like i can't believe that people were topless and then they also <laughs> felt like the original notes were that they felt it was immoral for carmen to choose a career ahead of being loyal to rico wow. And they want like audiences wanted that change, not even Paul Verhoeven and that Carmen should immoral. Immoral. And that Carmen should have died instead of Dizzy because she made the sin of choosing a career over some fucking guy. Uh, And Paul Verhoeven nineteen ninety seven. And I guess that was like overwhelmingly they're like, I hated that I saw nudity and you should have killed Denise Richards for wanting a job. You're like, oh my God, no, you should have killed everyone for being a fascist. Like, we're missing the thing here. So I don't know. Yeah. All all the sexism in this movie uh, has been added, but it seems like audiences wanted more. They were there was a high demand for the female characters to be treated uh, (laughs) worse. That is absolutely wild. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back for more discussion. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. And we're back. Uh, Should we talk about uh, these gals? Let's talk about the gals. Uh, should we start with Carmen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Every- okay. <laughs> Everyone in this movie is a bad actor, right? Like, pretty much. <laughs> or like all the main, not Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, I feel like, Den- okay, Denise yeah. Richards and Casper Van Question Mark mm-hmm. are bad actors. But watching Denise Richards pretend to steer a spaceship was like, I was losing it. It's so funny. She's... <laughs> Because she, her eyes are just kind of glazed, and her, the eye line doesn't quite make sense. And then she just like pulls, like gently pulls a little. I was like, I've seen Star Wars. I think it's harder to drive this thing than you're making it look. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to. I I think she was maybe miscast for this role, but at the same time, yeah. every time I like, love Denise Richards, but this it's... movie gets brought up, everyone's like. Oh yeah, that's that movie that like Denise Richards is in for some reason, and then like people are like, I feel like unnecessarily cruel to her. So then, so then I'm like, oh, I, I guess I kind of feel bad for like dumping on her for <laughs> her performance in this. But... I'm just as happy to dump know. on almost anyone in this movie. Gary Busey's son, oh, Cas- <laughs> the the lead of this movie is <laughs> like I not getting anything from I him. Mean, he's just a. He's just a blank slate, but the yeah. but it kind it is this weird thing where it, it felt intentional for them to be like these like very young, conventionally attractive, very very white, very Aryan, like like oh, oh yeah. you yeah. know here these are the these are the 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 men and women we put on our our poster board you know for for Nazi Germany, um, and <laughs> I was like I was kind of like. I kind of like didn't I don't know the acting I didn't like it didn't necessarily pull me out because of what I was watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there <laughs> like it wasn't sure. like there was something I guess that's twofold. There I didn't feel like the script was giving anything deeper, but I also yeah. realized that better actors probably could have done something that the script wasn't doing and that even the director maybe didn't wasn't even trying to do um and make these characters feel more, you know, three-dimensional. But they mm-hmm. were it, it was very two two dimensional. And most of these, I mean, most of the like the main quote unquote teen, actually thirty year old yeah. uh, ca- cast, <laughs> like most of them are nineties TV stars. So they were just like yeah. people who were on TV at the time. Because like Neil Patrick Harris was Doogie Howser, right. Dina Meyer was on like Beverly Hills 90210, Denise Richards was on TV. Like these were all just kind of like 
teen soap stars that were put in this movie about uh, militaristic fascism. So I don't really (laughs) understand the expectation for any of them to thrive in this environment. That said, (laughs) Denise Richard driving a spaceship makes me laugh. (laughs) As far as her character goes in general, I was not impressed with the way that she was written, believe it or not. Um, because basically like, so it's the type of character who's like, okay, she's really smart. She's really good at what she does. She's able to work her way up through the ranks, but she like just has absolutely no dimension or like nuance to her character. Like she has no flaws. She never makes any mistakes. Her main journey is like picking between two assholes. Like that's her. Right journey well i guess her journey was to become a pilot like and then she like right by the end is a captain right like her 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 journey is is the career path and then like this romance thing it is fun i will say uh none of the female characters are written very well uh, at all uh but i also don't think any of the male characters were written well in this movie at right. all so there's like a there's at least a parody in the in the sense in the sense that they're all two dimensional characters that said like it's still rico's still the lead yeah i i i think this was i don't know like i like that she's it feels like a kind of like an empty gesture of like she's an amazing pilot which is like okay that's great but she kind of achieves her goal immediately like the first time she gets in the pilot seat they're like you're amazing at this and then she just continues to succeed at it right. um and her main thing is like xander versus johnny and it seems like i like that she's the one to break up with johnny like it yeah, seems like cool. she's being pretty realistic about everything yeah. she's like because she's barely into him at the beginning. Like, he has to keep reminding her that he, he's There's her like, I love you. Do you love me at all? And she's like, yeah. I guess. She's like, we're in high, we're in, we're in high school, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah, like, chill. Dude. Like, we're, we're a high school boyfriend, girlfriend. We're literally not going to know each other when we graduate. <laughs> she's just kind of being, I appreciate that she's being a realist about her high school relationship. And I was yeah. and I don't know. I don't like dislike Carmen I just like we know nothing about any of these kids right and also mm-hmm. it is very jarring when all of their families die and they b- don't really they react do not react <laughs> barely I mean there's the one cross gender yeah where she's like I you know I every time I think about it I'm crying but like she's not crying in that moment and it doesn't seem like she's actually that sad uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she's like, anyways I'm like oh my god Uh, Yeah, their entire families die, which I feel like really gets glazed over, mm -hmm. Uh, which it's again, it's just like, well, then don't have them live there if you're not going to have them react to their entire families dying. I don't know. It's very strange. But yeah, I, I feel like Carmen, the most like we don't really know she kind of achieves her goal right away and then it's just kind of like she's i like that she's like present and there's definitely she has her own storyline but i don't know was not very moved by the xander versus johnny rico uh decision and she also didn't seem she seemed pretty set on like what she wanted so uh, (sighs) it wasn't even really a a struggle for her really at any point right she was just like she was like, yeah, we're like, I'm going to be in a career and you're in the mobile infantry. Like, we're not going to see each other. So blah, blah, blah. And then he gets upset because he sees that other guy. And it wasn't even like she was like, I'm leaving you for him. It was just like, we're, we're never going to be together. And also there's somebody else here that maybe I'll have a thing with, you know. 
Right. And I was just like generally annoyed by Xan like the whole Xander oh, thing. God. It's like added for the movie and also adds nothing. It's like <laughs> it was for, it, it's always so frustrating to me when a random guy is added into a scene where there's a more interesting female character literally sitting right next to him for the every scene he's in. Like her captain, like I'm like, there could we could she? Yeah. Could we talk to her? No, she gets <laughs> killed. And then it's just about this guy Xander. Like, are they gonna kiss or are they gonna hit an asteroid? And that happens like forty times. He he also has no personality. Like we we literally know nothing about him. He's introduced in the most like basic way of like they're playing some weird new version of football. Gymnastics football. Gymnastics like, football. Gymnastics football was fun. That was like one of my favorite parts. And they're like, all right, if we all right, we're gonna prove who's the better guy for your girl by who wins this sports game. And you're like, <laughs> first of all, she doesn't care at all. And also why do you, what is happening? Like, and then the two of them have another fight later on where mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? Let's punch each other. Rank doesn't even matter. And then they just like have this like broy fist fight. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, don't care about this. And it's also like, even Carmen looks bored during this scene because she's like, this is just like, is this necessary? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I wish I knew what was on your mind. I don't know. And also it's like, in general, I don't know. It's We, we sort of, we weirdly talked about this on our Cadet Kelly episode. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I, I don't know. In this movie, I, I it, it's like, I guess you don't often see women in combat in movies but i'm like i this i don't want to see fascist women in combat (laughs) how is that like yeah that's that's not the representation win i think this movie wants to think it is i was gonna say if if fans of yours suggested this movie i'm wondering if it's because because of the little crumbs that you're still getting in 1997 there is a there is a way to look at this and be like wow like they had women in, in so many in high ranks of like every part of this military like mm-hmm. she becomes a pilot yeah. like she does better than him she becomes a pilot like you know you have Diaz who's like really great she has her captain is a, a woman like when the general gets taken over that's like a black woman like so mm-hmm. there's like mm-hmm. there are and like there are women in combat and there's never mm-hmm. um no one's ever saying things like you you fight pretty good for a girl or like there's right. nothing like that right, or like right. I've, I've, I grew up one of the boys like you're not getting any Girls of that are on stuff. the football team you know like- yeah <laughs> so like in a in a certain way like if you're just looking at the like kind of general s- setting that this world is placed in you're like okay it seems like women have some sort of parody in this world but then right. mm-hmm. the movie is still following the the guy you know and and because yeah. mm-hmm. of that any real conversations are always about him or happening because of him mm-hmm. or as the audience, we're supposed to be thinking about what is going to happen to him because of what else is happening. You know what I mean? So, and the women are still framed as like basically just being romantic prospects for him. Yeah. It's supposed to exactly. be like a, a love triangle that we don't yeah. care about. Cause that's his story. And his whole story is a, is a romantic story. Like, even at the end where he's, like, rah-rah military, like, what does that mean? What does that even mean for him? Like, what what decision has he come to outside of just, like, fascism is good, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's so and he only depressed. has 
he only has that like whole journey, that whole character arc because he joined the military for Carmen. For Carmen He's like, yeah. <laughs> otherwise he was going to go to Harvard or something. Which is another super weak decision too, because it's also like they knew that they were going to get separated immediately. Like right. his motivation in the movie makes no sense. He knows he's not going to go to pilot school. He might as well just be going to college. Like the, they yeah. would right. still be communicating the same way. Like. I don't know. That was one of the things I thought the book did better is it at least like he was motivated by something that wasn't just like, sure, why not? Like it just just so strange. I don't yeah. know. And then on the other hand, you have Dizzy's character. Oh, my God. I'm Ugh. so fucking frustrated because there's I had to like text Caitlin to make sure I didn't miss something. But Dizzy clearly joins the military to follow Johnny, who joined the military to follow Carmen. Right. And I'm just like, why are we all what are we doing here? And then Dizzy Well she denies that. She denies that she joined the military to follow. Yeah, but then it's like but clearly she did and there's no other nothing else is ever presented. So I'm like, oh I guess no, that she just her did. dying words are at least I got you. So she clearly that's exactly why she joined the military. Yeah. She literally had no other purpose in life. <laughs> that was also a really weak, bizarre death scene. Like, both actors are giving me nothing. Like, she's like, at oh. least I saw you. And he's like, oh. Like, you're like, oh, <laughs> this is so gross. She's like, at least I got to fuck you one time in a sleeping bag. Like, oh, so bleak. Um, but, oh. but yeah, I, I don't know. Dizzy is so... Such a frustrating character because I feel like Paul Verhoeven is almost trying to do this flip thing of like, look, she's aggressively pursuing him and ignoring his boundaries that he's setting. And it's like, that's not True. something you need gender swapped, really. <laughs> uh, you don't just swap it and be like, is it woke now? Is it like, cool? Not really. But what's interesting is that it's Riz, right? That's her character. Diz. Dizzy. Dizzy. Sorry. Oh. Why did I say Riz? <laughs> We're this like on Grease. Riz, Rizzo. Her name's Rizzo, right? Um, Rizzo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dizzy, she, out of all of them, she seemed like the one best equipped to be in the military. And then right. there is that mm -hmm. part that happens too where, well, I, I, yeah, I was wondering your, your takes on that where like they're doing the obstacle course and she like knocks the two guys, you know, into the mud. Right, and, into the mud. Yeah. And right. then like even like, when they first they did something it was like her plan that like got them to win whatever combat training exercise they were doing and then yeah. he was like well you know like dizzy dizzy helped yeah but then like when it came down to when he got to pick like when he was in command again and he like needed uh whatever I don't know if it wasn't lieutenant, but whatever, like right, right hand a man, corporal, kind of, maybe corporal. Yeah, um, that's what it was. Somebody <laughs> he needed a corporal, and then he like picks uh, Gary Busey's son, like, Busey, and Busey's like, nah, Which nah, I like, already, I already screwed it up, dude. I I love that he is being honest with himself. He's like, I am ill equipped. I am just a nepotism pick. I just showed up here. I'm just Gary Busey's son. Please don't pick me. <laughs> Yeah, and, and only then, after Gary Busey's son, he's probably got a first name, but Jake. <laughs> who knows? Jake. Yeah, so only after Jake Busey's character uh, like is like, no, I'm not, I'm going to mess this up again, does Johnny then turn to Dizzy and be like, what a, do you want it? Do you, how about, I guess yeah. you're right there. <laughs> so, but it's like, yeah, she has proven herself to be capable 
but it yeah. seems like she keeps getting passed over for like promotions well, right. and stuff. And on top of that, because I sometimes get kind of like frustrated when it's like the movie is like I am feminist because for some like just kind of almost Mary suing a female character but but that doesn't even happen to Dizzy because we know that she's like a better football player than Johnny at the beginning like she's she is the most athletic character but then she's like never it's it I'm like I don't know why they go so out of the way to have her never be anyone's top pick for anything because it was like we're supposed right. to be in this like post-gender world because other women are getting opportunities. So I was like, well, then what? Why is it her that we don't see? Like, what's her name is flying up the ranks? <laughs> uh, I mean, Carmen is like. <laughs> Carmen's flying up those ranks. <laughs> She's driving a fucking Ford Focus in space. Like, it's. Yeah, I, 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 I hadn't even thought about like comparing their careers, but it's like, there's. I don't understand the reason why Dizzy wouldn't be kind of flying up the ranks because she's more capable and this is supposed to be a world where it doesn't matter right yeah and then i also wanted to talk about women getting fridged or damseled in this movie because dizzy is fridged because she's killed in combat yeah and then going back to carmen really quick she there's a similar sort of like damseling scene at the end where it plays out in a less bad way than I thought it would, where I thought she would like really have to be like, you know, Johnny would have to swoop in and really save the mm-hmm. day. But she like holds, she chops off the bit, the, you know, the brain bugs, the knife, yeah. brain sucking tube uh, and like kind of like gets away herself. But even so I'm like, okay, these women are framed in such a way where they are horny for the men around them whoever's closest to them is like whoever they're most horny for and uh then they are killed or damseled usually i choose to interpret carmen as never being that interested in johnny because it seems like johnny's bullying carmen into being in a relationship with him. it's again that same weird chain of command where johnny's trying to bully carmen into loving him meanwhile dizzy's trying to bully johnny into loving right. her and then at the end you're like i'm i don't want any of it and then right. carl's just like i'm a fascist <laughs> like he's interested in no one i don't think this is any credit to the movie but at the end they're not like together they don't have like a one of those like kiss you know Mm. victory kisses that we see at the end of movies a lot of times like she's not she doesn't say anything like we should have always been together anything like that it's just like you know they still care about it it's i I think in the reality of of what was presented they wouldn't get together like at the end she'd be like you're such a great friend and we should still Mm -hmm. remain friends by the way just just in case you weren't (laughs) You were clear let's all on be, that. Let's be friends and fascists. <laughs> like all three of together. us are. Yeah, we all won the war for, you know, killed the bugs, win and the war. And ultimately, like Dizzy being fridged kind of like, I feel like feeds into this narrative of like, she was the right girl for him because she was willing to die for him in the state. Unlike Carmen, who wanted to fly a chip. Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, clearly the test audiences thought that. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you should have killed the woman who wanted a job. I don't know. Ultimately, I was very uncomfortable looking for feminist messaging inside of a fascist movie. And that was, I was hey, just like, I. Ugh. Women can be Nazis too. <laughs> I know. It's just like, this if is the reader. The, if the, the reader worst. taught me anything, it's that women can also be Nazis. <laughs> just, oh my gosh. It was just, 
this uh i mean i appreciate that paul verhoven wanted to say something with this movie but i just don't think that he was successful yeah yeah going back to the world building of this story and like the quote-unquote utopia that this movie is taking place within there does seem to be gender parity in the world of this story sexism doesn't really seem to exist well they tell us that the movie makes sexist choices right because it's a movie from the 90s but (laughs) the world it is depicting seems to be less sexist and i feel like a similar thing is happening regarding race where again the movie makes racist choices but like part of the world building in this story is that racism doesn't seem to be much of a problem right which also none of this tracks for fascism like that racism and sexism wouldn't exist in a fascist society so i don't really understand that (laughs) but the movie, like, yeah, it's making some some weird choices regarding race. Uh, Jamie, you had mentioned that in the book, the characters are Filipino. Yes. And then that gets whitewashed for the movie. Yes. And the way the director explains whitewashing it was like, he he essentially says that it, it he doesn't think that an audience will understand a world. Like, he's like, oh, well, if they're fascists, it would feel weird for them to not be extremely white. Which is like, I, 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 see I see where that. he's going with it. I see where he's going <laughs> right. with it. Uh, but but whitewashing the entire movie seems like an extreme end to go to. To I don't know. Like Well, uh, once again, it's like, sure, but your movie wasn't really anti-fascist in any real way. So right. Like, right. I, like, again, it's just one of those things where it just seems like a, it's like a nice thing to say. But it's like, but that's not really what you were doing. You know, you were you weren't making much of a commentary just adding a couple of scenes doesn't make much commentary on like right. why we shouldn't be anti-fascist, especially when the everyone wins in the end. Like I, I don't. Right. You know. The fascists <laughs> win. I, uh, that's, I feel like most of my problems with this movie go back to the fact that like everything the director describes of like what he wants to do sounds like pretty interesting and sounds, but that, but he just failed at all of those things. Like none of the things happened. Yeah. Right. So I, I found a quote from an article in Screen Rant entitled Starship Troopers Meaning Explained What It Was Really About. (laughs) Love these kinds of articles. They're like, what happened at the end of the... Oh my gosh. (laughs) I read so many of these articles and reviews being like, oh my gosh, Starship Troopers is brilliant satire and if you can't see that then well was there something wrong with you um so as this title suggests this is another one of these articles i have yet to find anything in any of these articles that gives a any kind of convincing examples or arguments about why and how the satire is clear and effective none of them have been able to explain they're just like well you know a a lot of the audiences took the film at face value but they're missing the point because well the movie puts the characters in nazi regalia so that's obvious satire get it but it's not (laughs) obvious satire if the nazis win like i don't understand (laughs) how hard that is to explain because it's like he's explaining star wars shit that like it's clearer in star wars because they're the bad guys like or if like even if they do win if it's so obviously horrible like if, if it's so obviously horrible to us but again the motivation like 
even having the motivation for Johnny change because his parents were killed by the bugs, like that's a real that's a real thing now. Like like now I'm in mm-hmm. now I'm like, yeah, I mean like maybe the reason this war started wasn't great, but these bugs just like destroyed an entire city, like millions and millions of people. Like that's a real reason to go to war. You know what I mean? Like that's a real reason to like join an army and be like, I'm gonna like either defend Earth or enact revenge because like you're everyone you knew was killed like you know whether that even the revenge part even if that's wrong you can there's still like a you know a touch point that we all can relate to of like yeah man if like if like everybody i knew was wiped out like and i had nothing else to live for like you know so (laughs) so that's the that's what i'm talking about like we and then we don't get any of that like like Mm -hmm. there's like a slight satirical thing for him like when he when Neil Patrick Harris is there and he's like, that's what we're in infantry for. We do the dying, you know, and, right. and blah, 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 does the flying. But then like, but then they win and, and like the guy was proven right. Like he was like, all right, we captured the, like all of my, everything I did worked, you know? And it was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so it just right. like, it doesn't so... land at all. Like it, uh... <laughs> well, here's the, the quote from this article quote. In a 2014 interview with the Adam Carolla show. Okay, well, okay. This, is, this is off to a rocky <laughs> off start. Off to a great start. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so the king of perfect takes. What did he yeah. say? <laughs> uh, Michael Ironside, who oh, plays okay. um, Razchek in the film, mm-hmm. um, uh, who played a militant officer in Starship Troopers, said that he asked Verhoeven why he was making a right-wing fascist movie. To that, Verhoeven told him, if I tell the world that a right-wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work, no one will listen to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everyone is beautiful. Everything is shiny. Everything has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for killing fucking bugs. End quote. Mm -hmm. So the director clearly wanted a message that was more subtle and like not super preachy, which I totally understand for certain things but i don't think that subtlety is necessarily the way to go when speaking out against fascism the other thing that's hard about this is like it's not like everyone in that world was like we need to kill like yes the people in the army were like that but like we get a sense that there is a world to fight for you know what i mean like there's a world Mm -hmm. to defend for and the intro to all this is like the bugs are like hurling asteroids at Earth. And we know that like an asteroid in real life like killed all of the dinosaurs. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, they're trying to commit like a genocide of the human race. Mm-hmm. So that's a legitimate reason to fight people. And then the only suggestion that we get that like humans started the war is like these like one liners. I think that come at like two different points and it's yeah. not explained at all so and we don't relate to the bugs at all so yeah i don't know why anyone would look at this movie and go i don't (laughs) want to live in this world because at the end of the day i'm like yeah like maybe i wouldn't want to join the military but i'm glad we have a military i'm glad they're doing what they they do so that i don't get wiped out by an asteroid being hurled at the earth (laughs) right it's like even because it's like we uh we have not covered uh many movies about war on this show (laughs) Uh, and and I do think like it is like uh, I I have like a lot of different feelings about war movies, but it's like there are w- war movies that are well done that make it like 
clear the like brutalness and, and the different sacrifices and the different reasons that everyone comes to be in a war whether they want to or not depending on what the war is and it's like it uh, it, it this movie starts that and then it just doesn't do anything with it like mm-hmm. i really do like the group shower scene in this movie that i feel like is like the strongest start you get into like right. some insight into like why people are you know why people enlist and like what the different circumstances are that kind of bring you there instead of doing a wide sweeping like war and everyone who participates it in is bad like that is like an easy point to make for someone who has never been involved in a war (laughs) like i just Mm -hmm. uh but then it just all falls apart man it's a bummer yeah um, and then to go back to that conversation about race, um, so we have these whitewashed characters, which like I understand the intention behind Verhoeven's choice to do that. Mm-hmm. Instead, though, he has the characters be from Argentina, and they maintain their Latin names from the okay. book. So you know, you've got like Juan Rico, mm-hmm. Carmen Ibanez, Dizzy Flores, like. But they're all played by like white American actors. It's weird, and I don't like. I'm just like, well, I I don't know what Argentina is like. You know, 700 years in the future when this movie takes place, or whenever it's supposed to take place. But that just felt like another peculiar choice. And again, yeah. it's not even like he's like saying this, but it's like, yeah, but there are black people. There are people of color, like in the film like it's just that they're not they're Mm -hmm. all supporting characters like they're all like minor supporting characters like so you just had all your leads be white i don't know (laughs) you can like say whatever you want like it's like it's not like you had it's not like some genocide had taken place in like all of like in this world there are no black people anymore you know what i mean or whatever it is like Mm -hmm. it's like they're still there they clearly can serve like they can reach high ranking positions just that we don't know who any of those people are because you're not focusing on any of them right and it even seems like to the point where there's kind of like a revolving door of non-white characters where we meet oh who's the who's the the woman we meet in boot camp who is partially responsible for the for the guy's head being blown off and like it's her and johnny that they're like they're the two people, and then she leaves the military. She gets she kicked leaves, out. Which is the story. Which is like, never... fair enough. Yeah. I would also be like, oh, this is clearly not for me. But it's like, that we she, we had a strong introduction to her. Like, she was like, I want to be in politics. And like, I have this dream. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. But then 10 minutes later, she's like, I'm out of here. I feel like she didn't leave on her own accord. I feel like she got, like, discharged. Like, Did dishonorably she get discharged. Yeah, I think oh, she yeah, got booted. Then, yeah, I'm not even sure. Because then Johnny has to like fight to stay. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they were gonna maybe boot him, and they were like, they were like, "Look, we already lost two soldiers for this. Let's not lose a third. And, and right. then it was kind of like, "What? Why do you want to save that dude? Right. <laughs> not the, why? Right. That black woman you just kicked out. <laughs> but it's, the fact that it's not even clear, because I my read was she left on her own accord because she was just so upset over the death of this like team member of hers so like but the fact that it's not clear means that we like the story doesn't bother to check in with her and like see how she's feeling or what exactly Mm -hmm. happened right because the movie has no vested interest in any of the characters who are people of color Yeah. yeah there's no explanation it's the basically we get one image and it's her with her backpack crying looking at everybody 
in the background of the scene like you're just like uh that that was so fresh and then our other i feel like the the other black characters we get to know well are uh corporal sugar watkins and then who is that the the, there's the dude from the walking dead who yeah to you he's dude from the walking dead to me he's the guy from teen wolf he's been Uh. on a lot of tv Uh, i guess he was also uh on the wire uh but unfortunately yes that's right he's on the wire he's a cop on the wire my brain doesn't work and therefore Mm. i know him from teen wolf the series that's hilarious But yeah, Watkins, uh, that character, he's the guy who sacrifices himself at yeah. the end for all of the white people. And we don't meet him till halfway through. And like there he just mm-hmm. he shows up in the middle of the second act and it's like there's no there's no non-white characters that we get to f- see their storyline all the way through at all. I don't yeah. even think any of them survive. Do that black I, woman I think survive? You're right. I yeah. I I wonder. The other one cuz there are two black people. It was like him it was like him and the and the and that woman right yeah whose name i feel like is said out loud once what is her name but yeah uh, so many people die i can't believe jo- how did johnny live through that attack by the way did we ever I, talk about that like I, how did he how did he possibly survive how did they get him out of there he's not even how? good like he's not even how good did he possibly war? live they were gone Everyone had fallen know. back. There was uh, like legions of bugs swarming. There was one that comes crawling on top of him when mm-hmm. he's pit- completely yeah. pinned. And we're supposed to we're supposed to believe that not only did they get him out of here, but they but he survived. Right, right. It's, Who saved uh, him? I feel like I I. I've already stated I do not I'm not a fan of Xander, but he was definitely better at war than Johnny was. And he got his brain sucked out but when he was surrounded by like one-tenth of the amount of bugs. He got his mm-hmm. brain sucked dry. I love the idea that sucking, like they can find out information by sucking the brains like live. Like, cause it's like, oh, they're still alive. So like if we suck their like live brains, we'll like it's... ingest their information. Like what? Uh, I don't even know what that was supposed to be. It's nasty. Uh, I will, I will say funny. I do like, of of the things I do like about this movie, uh, I, I love nasty, nasty body horror effects, and this movie really does deliver. If you're a fan of nasty Ew. body horror, Dude, people are getting slaughtered. Oh my god, like cartoon slaughtered. Oh. Like yeah, like it wasn't even close. Like <laughs> uh, like they just ripped apart limb from limb, uh, uh, just impaled <laughs> constantly, just like their backs slid open. Yeah, just the, 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 the brain suck. Started. You're just like. That's so it's so I'm hard to like get grossed out, but there were some that was like, fuck, that is right. Absolutely yeah. disgusting. And it, I feel like, you know, what's so funny. I feel like I feel like I've seen I saw this movie a couple times and one time I didn't watch it all the way through. And I just thought that they just all died at the end because <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> well, there's no them. chance they're getting out of this. <laughs> like when they're like when they get trapped in that like desert thing, I was like, there's there's zero chance you make it out of here. Right. And I feel like right. that's how this movie should have ended, which is like everyone dying, <laughs> like just everyone dying. <laughs> and then it would have been, then I would have been like, it is kind of a critique on fascism, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Fascism doesn't work. The bugs will kill you. Not in this one. Um, what a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. 
also worth noting that there are a couple disabled characters, mm-hmm. uh, the main one being Rozchek, who is played by an able-bodied actor, Michael Ironside. His character has an arm that's been amputated. Right. Yeah, and it's like very, very of this era to not even consider having a disabled actor play a disabled character. But on top of that, right. it's like it seems like his disability is mainly used to scare people, which is uh, also not, mm-hmm. uh, not a very thoughtful uh, top to bottom. It felt like intentional to be like, look at like the like, this is what war does to you. It like just right dismembers you and but these mm-hmm. people are all still serving, you know, and they're like, you should be lucky to like go to war and lose a leg, you know. Yeah. And there's some interesting commentary to be had there. Did the movie <laughs> make it? Mm. Yeah. Again, <laughs> any commentary this movie makes is more is like passing and suggestions but like never the actual point of the movie yeah you know (laughs) i was i was truly surprised at how many writers and and critics and like have just like kind of put it all on the line to say that actually this movie is saying everything but it's like well i don't know i guess we Mm -hmm. will just have to agree to disagree there with all the people who wrote what you don't understand about starship troopers you tiny brained fool like right <laughs> what'd you get your brain sucked out you don't even know that this movie is right. awesome satire Did you get your brain sucked <laughs> out by a mug that's the thing is like there's just like yeah there's a little again we've said this so many times there's a little bit but it's not enough it's just mm-hmm. i don't know yeah, I have to imagine that this was like hard to get a lot of stuff approved. And it's like, I will give Verhoeven the fact that it's like, especially with a movie with this big of a budget, like I'm sure that he, that stuff that would have, he would have liked to have in the movie didn't end up in there. And like, but, but there's so many high level decisions that fail that it's like, well, he's got to take, he's got to take the L to some extent. Yeah, yeah. it's disappoint. It's disappointing. It's like, I was actually hoping that there would be a lot more commentary than it feels like yeah. than it feels like there was. And it's just like mm-hmm. one of these things where I'm like, nobody who believes in this stuff is going to watch this movie and think that their way of thinking is incorrect. Like, if anything, this movie just reaffirms what people believe, you know, like, yeah, because that's what that's that's the consequences of the movie. <laughs> the consequences of the movie are like, yeah, this guy is a hero and he saved a bunch of people and he you know was dedicated to the cause and Mm -hmm. if everybody works together and we're a militaristic state we'll always defend our home Mm -hmm. like i don't know like there's no there's nothing else presented for that to for that to not be the case yeah totally agree yeah i don't see a fascist watching this movie and then being like oh my gosh i was so wrong i need to change <laughs> right, my right. mind has a fascist mind been changed by starship troopers that's the true yardstick um. <laughs> and like i want to be clear that people are welcome to disagree with us i'm sure there are listeners who see this movie as clear and effective satire especially because like as director Paul Verhoeven has stated, that was his intent right. with the film. So I'm not arguing about his intentions. And he's coming from a particularly, he's coming from a place where he is better qualified than a lot mm-hmm. of people to make art critiquing fascism because he was raised in Nazi-occupied Amsterdam. 
My argument is that uh, for me, his intentions did not come across as clearly as I think they could or should have. Yeah. If you're trying to condemn militaristic fascist ideologies. I agree. Yeah, I, I don't know. I and, and I also like I, I really I really love the intent behind this movie. And I think it's like a really ballsy idea to be like, I'm going to take this source material that's really fucked up and I'm going to say the opposite while using the same story. Like, I don't think that that's an impossible thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it just it just didn't work out for this one. We should do more Paul Verhoeven movies, though. He I mean, what a catalog. Mm. What a legacy. How have we not done Showgirls at this point? Oh, my gosh. We simply must. Shocking. (laughs) We'll get there. That's That's a good one to do for this podcast, for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? I don't know. I think it does. Wait, does it? I think it very, very briefly does. Does it? By our standards, which are like, I mean, the standards of the test in general are pretty low, but Carmen and her commanding officer... Who is named, but what is her name? She is. Oh, that was my question. She, she does get named, but I cannot tell you exactly what it is. Dizzy talks to a corporal as well. That was the other thing I had. And then Dizzy and Carmen do have one scene where they're, at least one scene, um, where uh, Carmen's like, hi, Dizzy. And Dizzy says, Carmen. Wow. <laughs> We know their names. It's, they speak to each go. other. There but like we go. the the like subtext behind that is connected to a boy. Yeah, they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Who like do, are you dating my ex boyfriend? Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> the looks that Dizzy shoots Carmen while Carmen's minding her business is very funny. But uh, it's it uh, it's a loose pass. It's like a barely pass. A loose, a loose. Yeah, pass. it's a it's a loose pass. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think something I want to do moving forward just for like my personal Bechdel test um, analysis is could the conversation that arguably does pass the Bechdel test be removed from the movie and the movie is no different or like the plot is not effective? Like, is it an important conversation that like informs the story? If not, then it's like a not good pass. I like that. Thank you so much. (laughs) I mean, it's so hard for this film because there's like a part of me that's like, does any like what is the story really at the end of the day? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, our, what is the takeaway? It's so hard to care about any of these characters. But I guess in terms of like Carmen's journey, her relationship with the captain, even though it's so barely there, is like informative to like her character arc in some way. And she does become the captain. Yeah. Yeah. So like her, the captain, like talking to her about anything, which is generally about her career is like, cause that's kind of her yeah. main motivation. So yeah, okay. I guess in that sense, it's good. If the, cause if her captain wasn't, it wasn't a woman, then the, this movie would have no shot. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's not, it simply is not, I don't know. Like I should, should we just do the ratings? Yeah, let's just do our nipple rating, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a scale of zero to five nipples based on I love it. an Very examination fantastic. of the movie through an intersectional feminist lens. So all things considered, everything we talked about, I'm going to have to give this movie maybe a, a half 
nipple. The women in this movie are framed in relation to like the men in their life or like they're there because they know Johnny Rico kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't find really any of their arcs or storylines very compelling. Yeah. And then again, the, the execution of this political satire not being very clear. I think here's, here's what I wrote in my notes. Team America world police is more effective satire and condemnation of like military practices oh, yeah. than Starship Troopers. Oh, absolutely. There I said it. Wow. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so but much. Team America world police is like, cause it's so, it, the intent is so clear. It, it, it mm. you can disagree with like, the jokes that they do and and that kind of stuff but like mm-hmm. they're sure. it, it's it's a it's such an obvious thing of being like this is how america sees itself it's so absolutely and utterly ridiculous that we see ourselves mm-hmm. as the world police because that's real <laughs> and, absolutely yeah and that's not to say that like that satire can't be subtle but if it's mm-hmm. so subtle that it's not really there such as right. starship troopers <laughs> It doesn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway. Yeah, half nipple. And I'll give it to the the bugs because good for, good you for know, them. they've just they were just colonized and <laughs> what did they do wrong? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. From from intersectional feminist lens, I uh, I've, I'm giving it zero. I don't want I don't like I don't I don't want to root for a fascist girl boss and I'm not going to. Fair. So uh, <laughs> I'm giving it zero because even when the women are portrayed with arcs and with dreams and with ambitions, um, they're they're fascists. I don't. Yeah. No, <laughs> right. no nipples. No nipples. <laughs> none to distribute. Come on. Yeah, that's I fair. appreciate I, re- I appreciate the Verhoeven effort. I am a, I, I, I like I, I think his work is really risky and and bizarre and this just what this one didn't uh, didn't hit for me. Um, nope. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm grading it on a curve and also based on my own expectations coming in. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna give it <laughs> one and a half only because I did think that for what the world was, like they did have women in different positions and like they had black women too and like you know she Mm -hmm. like took over the military and you know they were like good like they could hold their own there wasn't you know i just feel like this time period there's there's so much of that like oh you're sporty spice you know what i mean like you're the oh you're a tomboy like and none of that Mm -hmm. that conversation like just truly didn't even exist in the film and like people seem to acknowledge everyone's skills for what they were and they didn't like add gender on top of that yeah mm-hmm. that said like it's still i mean it was just completely <laughs> like the movie still like like everything the movie says is is is, is not yeah it, it has nothing to do with any of that mm. but i don't know i just i just feel like it still did more than a lot of films at the time which isn't saying much but yeah you know 97 uh what a time what a time we did get mm-hmm. titanic and oh my gosh yeah that's about all we got um all right so so that's starship troopers starship troopers there you asked for it yeah but for the people who asked you happy now i hope you're happy 
I bet they're not, though. I bet they're not. Uh, I bet they wanted us to be like, it's secretly genius. <laughs> they're furious with us. <laughs> yeah, the people who asked for it aren't happy. And the people who didn't ask for it are like, I didn't ask for this. They're yeah. really <laughs> unhappy. They're not listening right now. <laughs> they're, they're like, I'm upset. Amazing how this is our worst episode ever. No, I had... <laughs> I'm I'm actually genuinely very glad that uh, we went down the rabbit hole in this one because I've been yeah. curious about it for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, it is. I mean, it's it. I don't think it accomplishes what it's trying to, but it's definitely unique. I've never mm. seen a movie like this, and I. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's so. that. Indeed, Jonathan. Thank you so much for being here with us for, for joining us in this discussion. Yeah. Where can uh, people check out your stuff, follow you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me at John Braylock, J-O-N-B-R-A-Y-L-O-C-K. Podcast, Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to, we also, we talk about uh, films with leading black actors in the context of race. Um, That's super fun. And if you've never seen Astronomy Club on Netflix, check it out. It's fun. It's on Netflix six episodes a quick binge you'll finish it maybe in one sitting (laughs) Um, you you simply must it's very funny it's the best yeah uh yeah that's it cool thanks again thanks so much for hanging out with us yeah thanks for having me this was great i would love to yeah and uh yeah you can follow us on social media as well twitter and instagram at bechtelcast you can subscribe to our patreon aka matreon patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. It's $5 a month and it gets you access to two bonus episodes plus the entire back catalog. So, and then you can get our uh, merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. Go Bugs! Go Go Bugs. (laughs) Bye! Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeart Media. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.